Thank you, guys. <clears throat> so good. Welcome this morning on this Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Yes, you don't quite know what to do when I said that, do you? I, uh, I'm, I have all my presents awaiting for me when I return home. Um, uh, a lawnmower and... <laughs> I, uh, so, but we do have a present for you, and that is, um, uh, as you leave, there is a, um, a lovely, uh, for all the men, a, an amazing uh, bake that has a pepperoni sausage inside of it. <laughs> Your church loves you. It is uh, beautifully wrapped with a sprinkling of cheese and a lively pepperoni of about six inches inside. I noticed at Mother's Day, when we gave the ladies chocolate, that you were very mean and did not offer it to the men. (laughs) I noticed last night that we gave out these to the men and the ladies were partaking, particularly some of the grandmothers. (laughs) Well, all things in common, amen. So, um, so, but seriously, uh, please do, um, please do uh, enjoy that gift at the end on Father's Day. Remember the fish in Derby is happening next weekend. Uh, all day Saturday, uh, guys book in, get involved, um, come along, see Pastor Steve, we're looking forward. There is that prize out there and, and, and a lawnmower and, and it's going to be great. It's going to be a great day. I think the, uh, Donovan won it last year, uh, he seems to win it every year and he caught 74 trout. Uh, I know, what a cheat. Um, I don't know how he does it. He does, he, he uses a combination of, um, I'm going to tell you, because uh, you know, it's time to fight back, of uh, garlic in his fly as well. And it creates, a, I think that's just, he, do you think he told me that just because he was mocking me maybe? I don't know. Maybe Manly will be able to tell me whether a bit of garlic helps. He's, uh, he's pretty good. Got my wife back this week. That was good from France. Had a great time. Harley, you're here. You went with the missions team. What a fabulous time. Working amongst the refugees, Sudanese. They, um, you can't do anything in, in France without prayer. See, in, in Canada, you can build something on charisma. You can build something on on the very statistics of how many people are connected with Christianity. So if you turn up in a place and there's a good percentage of Christians and you start something with a good advertising, you can get something going and it can be a going concern for a while. But in Europe, you can't do evangelism without the power of the Holy Spirit. And you can't reach out without prayer and I watched the team throughout their, their 12 days of ministry every morning raising, rising early worshipping and praying in the prayer room then going out to Cannes Cannes an ugly city northern on Normandy coast it was um, it was a place where William the Conqueror invaded uh, England in 1066 I'm not bitter um, 
and we were ruled by the French beautifully uh, for a hundred years uh, between we all joined together. And, and, and it's an industrial city, it's a port city, there is shipping and so on. And there are all these Muslim Sudanese refugees who are fleeing Sudan and, and they are living in the hills and in the old warehouses and, um, um, and are trying to jump onto ferries and jump onto um, trailers and trucks and so on. Sometimes they break their arms or injure their bodies. The team were there giving them love and sharing the love of Christ and uh, doctors were there helping them with it. It was a a remarkable time. They had a a lovely encounter with a Muslim who found Christ through a supernatural encounter where Jesus Christ came to him in his room and revealed who he truly was. And often that's the way we win the Muslim community. God, please come in power and do it miraculously. And he was there with the team, uh, encouraging him, wasn't he? And, and talking about his conversion and with uh, the Sudanese and encouraging them. So thank you for praying there. I think the team are going to share next week. They don't know this yet in our services. Bring a report and uh, it'd be lovely to hear that. We said goodbye to the Garcias last week. Uh, wasn't that a fabulous visit? I loved it. Uh, such the same heart and power. And uh, God met all of their needs according to his riches in glory. So I'm so happy about that. Um, if, um, uh, here we go, I want to go to the verse, Romans, all things f- for good. Really? You might ask yourself, really is it all things for good? This is a sig- significant verse. And we know that in all things God, who for good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know that in all things God works. This is a a battle that we are facing in in our lives to believe that God in his sovereignty and in his power works everything together that we go through for his good. A lot of people kind of think that life is about chance. In fact, the local um, gambling place is called Chances Down the Road. Um, Put your game sense on is the slogan or something like that. I have never been there, but I hear it's the only place in Kelowna where, where there's an escalator moving stairs. I knew I'd moved to central Canada when I took my kids back home and my little one didn't know what an escalator was. I was looking at it. Wow, what have I done to you? Um, and, and, and get your game chances. You roll your dice. What's going to happen? Some people have this philosophy that actually life is about luck. It's about, oh, is this luck? You know, you get good luck, you get bad luck. You roll the dice, you play the chances, you play the roulette table. Or other people think, well, it's about fate. Fate's a mean thing, by the way. A religion that has fate is mean and it is frightening because you are somehow as an individual at the fate of an external power and force within your life. I do not want to trust my life to luck. I do not want to trust my life to fate. I don't even want to trust my life to horoscopes. 
Of course not. I grew up reading the horoscope every morning. My mum would get the paper before salvation came to our house and would read the horoscopes uh, and read my star sign. And we'd talk about it. And she'd say, oh, today you're going to have a good day, Phil. But the thing is, if I read any of those paper horoscopes, they all said pretty much the same thing and could apply to me because they're fake. And, and yet there's a spiritual power behind that, whether it's the tarot cards or whether it's this or whether it's fate or whether it's luck or whether it's how you see your life, where you are, these seem as if these are, are, are mean, they are destructive, they are false, they give false hope in people's lives and circumstances and yet what this verse teaches us at the helm of the ship of our life, it is saying that God's providential power and his Sovereignty that God has it and God is in control and he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So I have to wrestle this verse to the ground and say, wow. You see, you can't say, you can't be on the middle ground with this biblical verse. You can't go, well, maybe it's true or maybe it's not. This verse is either true or it's false. Either God is in control in his eternal love and purposes, his generosity and his love and God loves us. Or this is absolutely false. That all things, and he says, we know This is a positive statement. This is a powerful statement. We know that all things work together for good for those that love Christ Jesus. We know. What kind of Christian would you be if you believed this verse? What kind of Christian would you be if you believed that actually all things do work together for good under God's providential and sovereign will within our lives. What kind of Christians would we be? We'd probably be the kind of person like John Wesley in 1750 as he was on a boat in the middle of the Atlantic and the boat was going up and down in the middle of a major storm. He was utterly and completely terrified and he looked across at a group of German um, Moravians. Ah, I thought I'd called it. I'm sorry. Hey, that means you have to give double. Um, a group of German Moravians who were worshipping and praising the Lord. And as they were worshipping and praising the Lord, John Wesley looked on and saw them and spoke to them and said, how can you be so calm? How can you be so full of joy in the middle of this great storm? And their answer simply was this verse. We know that all things work together for good for those who love him. What kind of Christian would you be if you believe this verse? You would be the kind of Christian who has no fear. What kind of Christian would you be if you believe this? You would be a Christian who is full of absolute courage. What kind of Christian would you be 
If you believe this verse completely, you would be a Christian of boldness, of courage. What kind of Christian would you be? You would be a Christian of utter influence. Because like John Wesley watched the German Moravians worshipping the Lord and said, what is going on in their life when we face the storms and the battles and we don't quite understand what God is doing? doing, people watch us and we influence them because we know that God is good, that God loves us, that God is with us and God is all about us. See, I don't want to be full of fear. I want to be full of boldness. I don't trust fate. I don't trust luck. I don't trust chance. I don't trust the occult, I trust the sovereign Lord God Almighty. And you can trust God. Look at the word know. And we know that all things, all things, does your sin, your failings, your sin in your life, your character failings, your traits, the bad rubble and garbage of your life, the sin and the darkness that we battle with, the battle that is at work within our lives. Does, does, does that all work together for good? Let me tell you something from my experience. From the rubble of broken lives, from the rubble of sin smashed lives that are shipwrecked in life, God can take that raw material of your brokenness, of your pain, of your failing, and God can build it into something beautiful. All things work together. Even your sin, he can work that to redeem you, to change you, to alter you. To bring that change. See, God is the ultimate chess master. He has the ability that for every stupid move you make, he has the ability to move the chessboard so that his purposes, his sovereign will, his rule will not be missed. He has the ability to take all of our failings, all of our difficulties, or even at times our, our mistakes and the things we shouldn't have done and the attitudes we shouldn't have had. And he has this ability to take those moves and he knows his good purpose. He knows his good plan. He knows his sovereign way. He knows the providence of God that is at work and he looks at you and he loves you and he says I can even take your weaknesses and build something beautiful out of them all things all things what about people then all things all things God works for good what about the people that hurt you the people that fail you the malice that people speak about you the contracts and the employer and the person that wounds you, has abused you and hurt you. 
What about the family member? For some people, Father's Day is a painful day for so many obvious reasons on so many levels. What about those people that want to despise you? They grab hold of you. They throw you in a pit. They sell you into slavery. You're accused of rape. When you're innocent, you're thrown in a prison. And then you're in that prison, people forget about you. And then you come finally out of that prison and you rise to become the prime minister of Egypt. And your name is Joseph. And God, he saw that what man meant for evil, God turned for good. Even when people against you, it cannot rob you of God's blessing and God's presence within your life. He, the only person that can rob you of that is you. And me. And we know that all things work for good. Good. We know this. I need to know it because I need to be a fearless Christian and I need to be a person that isn't but good. It doesn't say that all things are good, but that God works for the good of those that love him. Because all things aren't good. Bankruptcy isn't good. Cancer isn't good. Marital breakdown isn't good. Immorality isn't good. Addiction isn't good. Injustice isn't good. Slavery isn't good. Poverty poverty isn't good. There are lots of things in the world that are not good. But what this promises is that as Christians, when we love Christ, we can trust in the middle of the storm that all things are somehow conspiring and working together to bring about the great chess master's plan for who we are and what we're facing and what we're going through. And God is with us. He loves us. And we know. But what? For those God foreknew, he also predestined. To be conformed to the image of his son. See, this is the goal in our life. The goal is that each one of us would be shaped and formed into the image of the son. That's the goal within our lives. That each one of us would become, that Phil Collins would become more and more like the Lord Jesus Christ. That I would be shaped and formed into the image of the Son. That I would, I would know Him. I am the, I'm the first, that He might be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. I want to be shaped. I want to be formed into the image. And those He predestined, He also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. We've 
done a lot of work around justification. But you've been called. He chose you. He wants to take it. Let me put it this way. You are God's project of his ultimate love. He is trying to shape your character into the image of Christ. He is trying to cause you to to know that God's working it all through and as he works it all for good in the middle of it we are being molded and shaped into the very image of the Lord Jesus Christ how you doing there how's the shaping into Jesus going how's that that process How is that going within your life? The things intending to harm you. It's good. The most wonderful thing in this world is not the good that we accomplish, but the fact that good can come out of evil that we do. Our vocation is, I believe, to build good out of evil. For if we try to build good out of good, we are in danger of running out of raw material. (laughs) For there's no condemnation. We all battle in our characters. We've all got evil going on. We've all got complexities taking place in our lives. So I've had to say to myself, Phil, how do you grow your character? may surprise you that my character isn't finished being formed yet. Tongue in, firmly in cheek. It may surprise you that I'm not always the perfect father in the world. So I'm told. Um, It may surprise you that I have areas of my own character that I am working on, thinking through and praying through. But what you are rarely told in church and rarely are we able to discuss is how this image of being changed in our character traits, how God changes us and molds us and shapes us. How do you change your character traits? Do you just sing and sing and sing the many beautiful songs and go, oh, change me. Fathers, how do we become better fathers? How do we become better husbands? How do we get rid of our childishness? How do we change our lives? How do we lose our egos, our anger, our frustration? How does this work? First of all, it's very simple. Step one, you need to be willing to choose a character trait in your life that you are willing to conform into his image. I find that Christians rarely choose character traits in their character which they want to change and do the work that is required to bring about sanctification, the inner transformation of our lives. And so the first step in this journey is to choose the trait. I may be an angry man, Therefore, I want to live as a peaceful man. I may be a resentful man and 
sort of moody, although I pretend not to be, but inside I'm simmering away. But God wants me to be a man of peace, a man of security, a man of peace within my manhood. So I choose this area and I say to the Lord, Lord, I am willing to change. You can find many godly characters and the notes will be online. Uh, You can find many godly characters of what we should be working on in these scriptures. There's a whole raft of attitudes and actions and thoughts and emotions that we should engage in and be conforming to in the New Testament. Secondly, well very simply, I need to learn to start to pray. Pick that character trait, my resentment, and now I need to pray about that character trait every day. Bring it to the Lord. Ask the Lord to be there. Pray about that problem. Pray about that character trait within our lives. And as we pray about it daily, we experience that. We need, thirdly, to be bold enough to examine that when we fail in that character trait, that we examine it, that we journal about it, that we do listening prayer about it, that we hear God's voice within it. Fourthly, this is what I do, I grab hold of scripture, I memorize scripture to do with that character trait that I want to change and I memorize scripture, I Learn it, I think about it as I go to bed at night, as I rise in the morning, when the problem faces me and comes out towards me. I I and inside of me, rather than stewing, I allow the scripture to inform my spirit and the scripture and the power of memorization to change my life. Many Christians live in bondage because they're not memorizing the word of God to do with character traits that need to be changed. Uh, It sounds hard work. True. But number five is that you need to tell somebody and be accountable. Get them praying for you. Somebody you trust. So as you start to see your character change, you choose a godly character. You pray daily for that godly character. Direct my footsteps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Identify a time you failed and listen for practical steps from the Holy Spirit about how you can change in your character. Learn and memorize scripture about that trait. Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed from lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge. I also reject you as my priests because you ignored the law of your God. I also ignore your children. We are in danger of forgetting and lack of knowledge stops us from enjoying character transformation within our lives. Tell someone. Ask there for prayer. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. You notice that when a man confesses his sin to another person, his prayer life is radically changed. He is 
healed in his life and he becomes an effective prayer warrior. But this is the most unpracticed verse in the evangelical world amongst evangelical Christians. Therefore, confess your sin to each other. We don't do it. Doesn't mean people you don't trust, but we don't do it. Why don't you? Why don't you pick a character trait? Why don't you pray about it every day? Why don't you do some listening and journaling about it and face the reality of how you acted that time? Why, why don't you memorize? Why don't you tell somebody that you're working through this feeling of rejection and, and loneliness in your life? And, and would you pray with me and make me accountable that I don't respond in this area? I'm willing to change. Um, six, be filled with the Spirit. We cannot achieve character transformation in the image and be conformed into his image without the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit consuming our lives. Every day, we've got to be open and say, Lord, fill me. Lord, consume me. Lord, change me. Lord, come. I cannot do this on my own. We've talked about this. This chapter mentions the work of the Spirit 21 times. A Christian, we are to be Christians of the Spirit. To be filled of the Spirit. To seek the filling of the Spirit every day. Now, now when you're dealing with character things, you may discover that you need, at step seven, to receive inner healing. may be applicable. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted. There is brokenness in our history that sometimes affect our reaction in our character that, uh, that bind and hurt our families because of these, these lingering brokenness within our lives. And we have to discern whether the Lord needs to come to us and do some healing and some freeing within our lives and within our walk. We need to think, is it a root of bitterness, anger, offense? Is it the unforgiveness do I need to forgive somebody? Do I need to deal with this? Do I need to ask for forgiveness in this area? And as you do this, and believe me, I do this all the time. It makes you think it works. Imagine what I'd be like without it. It works. But we are so not willing to develop Christian character at times. Continue the renewing of the mind by meditation. That when I memorize it, I linger on it. I think about it. I spend time in his presence. I, I allow him that, I, that since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. 
where Christ is seated at right and set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden in Christ God. Set your hearts, your passion, set your thinking on things above. Set your Life, because now I'm wrapped in the love of God and God wants to transform my character traits and he wants to be with me and he wants to meet me and he wants to bless me and finally continually keep in step with the Spirit. Stop and choose correctly when you face those moments. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Gentlemen, Father's Day. What about if all of the dads here and males, we all decided to choose 10 character traits that we wanted to change and over 10 weeks concentrated on one per week, seven days in that week, and we applied these simple steps of choosing, of praying, of examining of memorizing, of being accountable, of asking to be filled with the Spirit, of seeking inner healing, of giving and receiving forgiveness in our spiritual journey, of thinking on things above and the renewing of the mind, which is the produce of that, of keeping in step with the Spirit in our lives. What? kind of impact would that have on your journey, your home, your marriage, your, your parenting, your workplace, your life? What kind of revolutionary change would that happen within your life if we were bold enough of men of God to actually step out and do this? I think it would be awesome. It's what's on the tin, so we might as well open the tin, hadn't we? Let God work. So what do those final verses really talk about, those that love Christ? See, I'm doing all of this because I love him. I love him. What does it mean when I love him? Four things. First of all, it means that the greatest prize in my life, the first of all, is his will and his purposes. He's number one in my life. Secondly, it means I will not tolerate sin in my life. Because it ruins things. I'm not willing to put up with it. I'm willing to deal with it. Thirdly, it means love him, means that I am utterly in awe, devoted. I am captured. I am constrained by his love. And fourthly, it means even when I'm being forged in the furnace of life and problems and pain and difficulty and rubbish and attack, and bumpy days, and storms, and windy nights, and any metaphor you want to use, I know this truth, for I know 
that all things work together for good for those that love Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't it great that God can, uh, can, can change our hearts, that the word of God, this can save marriages. This can save a lot of pain if we're willing to do that. It can break fear and make us bold. Let's stand together. When the podcast is, um, and the um, film is, digital film is put online, these 10 steps will be in the, um, in the notes underneath about the uh, sermon um, um, theme and so on. We'll put the 10 steps there so you can go there and, um, and grab them and, and see them. There is a critical crisis in Canada that we have to get our churches renewed, on fire, praying We have to get the Christians strong and their characters strong. Because, I don't know if you've noticed, but there is a massive cultural shift in this great nation. Which is isolating the church like never before. You know it's happening. On so many levels. So many ways, what they're legalizing and what they're endorsing and what they're demanding. And none of us have funding for our camps because we won't tick a button to say that we endorse certain practices within social culture. We can't. But the church has always functioned best at the margins. So don't be afraid of this. But the church then only functions best at the margins when it's transformed by the power of Christ. Where men and women of God are strong and where we are a true praying church. Otherwise the enemy picks the church off one by one and the whole generation can be lost. But we can be Fearless Christians because of this verse. Heavenly Father, I pray that we will in our personal lives have the courage to live out what we've taught today. I pray God that we will all have the courage to Pick a trait and work on it. That I may be conformed to the image of the firstborn of, and be a brother and sister with the family traits, if you like. I have been chosen. Salvation is a mystery and a gift and I am overwhelmed that you chose a messed up pagan from an atheistic family 
full of Masonic bondage. And you set us free and you gave salvation to our home. And Lord, I pray that for every family, every father, every one of us, it's never too late to be transformed by the love of Christ. It's never too late to break the fear, to get the boldness and to get the courage at work within your life. It's time to change to be transformed. Help us, Lord, I ask in Jesus' name.